0: Are we? oh i always do it wrong there we go classical rebellion back after uh we haven't been in the hermitage for months we've been busy we've been out and about we've been out and about we've been on the town we have we've been doing the, the bronx work.
1: is up and the battery's down that's true um but not the battery in this phone
0: so the battery's fully charged. Battery's
1: fully charged, and so are, our batteries are fully charged.
0: Yeah, so, I just had I had a, uh, the equivalent an off-brand Red Bull, so I'm good.
1: <laughs> yes, well, I've been up since five thirty this morning, playing yeah. masses in Temecula and vespers in North Park, and I've been all around town. Yes, and we have lots to talk about. We do. Let's backtrack a little. Okay. There we were. Let me change
0: our lighting just a little bit. Oh, yeah.
1: no, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't do doesn't that. Adjust. Okay.
0: Um, just make sure you're in the light.
1: There we were. There we go. So we got Patrick. about halfway through the festival. We that were there for, Diego, the, Mainly for the the guitar concerto. So, yeah, I realized I was trying. What I was trying to say in our live spot on that was that, you know, there's something just different about a guitar concerto. It's somewhat rarefied. It's some I, to me. It bespeaks, you know, the kind of of particular um musical fans who i mean segovia used to say you know um the guitar recital was such when, when he would give a recital one time he was giving a recital on, on the stage at carnegie hall and a workman walked right into the middle of it with a ladder because he didn't know anyone was there right you know it's, yeah um
0: but it's it, not like an operatic tenor recital
1: no it's something much more particular not everybody's into the guitar you know but i mean not. you're just not but i mean it's, it's difficult not to be into the guitar when it's played as well as Pepe Romero played it. Yeah. I mean, that was a stunning... Uh, but it's a, it's a rarefied beast. And so I wore my knit tie, which is redolent of Oxford intellectualism in the late 1940s, I think. You know, you expect to see a, a knit tie at a meeting between oh, the... See, inter- I
0: was going more like, um, you know, MTV 1982
1: <laughs> knit tie. Well, we each have a different perception of okay. the, the rarefied mm-hmm. atmosphere of a guitar concerto, but it was wonderful. And uh, it was a very interesting concert. Um, and we heard a, uh, some remarkable playing of the English horn from mm-hmm.
0: Andre Overturf,
1: Andre Overturf. Um and it was which was quite wonderful. Yes, and I had a chance to uh, remark to her uh, after the at the last concert of the of the series, the Beethoven Sixth, that um, I, th- I think she overheard me telling um, a friend of mine that uh, that was pretty much how I like my Beethoven, crisp forward-moving yeah uh, it held together that the it was wonderfully articulated but it was the polar opposite of the Beethoven seventh that started the season San uh, at San Diego yeah. Symphony which just did not work at all um, it was strung out disconnected lacked energy in crucial places and I think she heard me say that I think she sort of like looked up at me like and I'm like uh-huh well that's how it was yeah. but That does not reflect on her playing, which was magnificent. And the English Mm -hmm. horn is not something you hear a lot of these days.
0: No, no. She was featured in the, uh, what, that evening?
1: The Grand Partita?
0: The Grand... No, no, no. Oh, oh, that same evening. The Siegfried Idil.
1: Siegfried Siegfried Idil, and also the uh, Pavon.
0: The Pavon, yes. Of Ravel. Pour Enfant de (laughs) Font. Sounds like a no-fault divorce. Yes. Um,
1: But... uh, uh, which was, which was lovely to hear. Um, also, but uh, frankly, the Loire left me.
0: It's an okay piece.
1: It, yeah, it, I, I wouldn't call it a suite. I'd call it like more like a what?
0: Unfinished thoughts. Unfinished thoughts <laughs> of Maurice
1: Ravel. <laughs> it did not evoke anything right. like Christmas. Or like, I, like a I children's. understand
0: why it was on the program, though, because it tied in with this idea of. Uh, with Rodrigo's Concerto de Arranges. De uh, you know, he's overcoming the death of a child. Yes, no, it makes uh, sense. With Mozart. That I think the symphony. Kindertoten
1: leader would have gone down a little bit more, you know, relevantly.
0: Sure. It's a <laughs> not the right size orchestra.
1: Well, no, you say that. But I had a call. Last night, from a friend of mine who's going to be playing in, uh, we're going to look forward here for a second. But uh, Going to be playing in the Summerfest at La Jolla,
0: mm-hmm. and they are going. Oh, they're to doing be, a chamber version. Aren't they're they? going
1: to be doing the Mahler Four, with about twelve instruments at a harmonium. Now I don't know whose arrangement this is, but I'm fascinated to hear it. I'm not. I am.
0: I mean, Cause but, I didn't like the Mahler. I don't like. I don't like the Mahler Four.
1: Oh, I do. I, I like the Mahler Four very much, and and I also think that. Um
0: it is interesting though.
1: yeah, you know, it's it's I, I love that first movement and the, and uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know who I don't know whose reduction it is. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to find out. I'm also curious to hear something like that in the in the Conrad acoustic. I haven't heard it yet, and I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. so I'm hoping to maybe be sneaked into a rehearsal. Um, score in hand, you know, as a you know, up and coming young conductor. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Hey. There are other people around this town who've been called up-and-coming young conductors for most of their lives. So true. <laughs> I, I, I'm just up-and-coming right now. Yeah. Until that rehearsal's over, then I'm not up-and-coming anymore. No, then no, so. you're done. You're yeah. Then done I'm done. Up and. Going. But I want to hear that. I, I really do. And I, I think that sounds like a really interesting project. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, look, Toscanini. At Salzburg, 1937, they're not using a full Wagner festspiel Orchestra for Meistersinger. Well, no, it's you know, just because but it's, it only the pit there only right. sat about forty. Yeah, so it's
0: a, uh, a festival such as the Mainly Mozart Festival wasn't going to do any reductions of anything.
1: No, but I mean, it, not necessarily reductions, yeah. but they're you know, how do you handle the necessity of paring down an orchestra? I mean, that, that's something that opera companies have to think sure. about sometimes. I mean, I the mean, first
0: time Fankarian conducted Meistersinger was with 17 instruments. That, my, that's,
1: my yeah. that's my point. That's my point. Right. That's virtually... It,
0: it can be done.
1: Yeah. And yeah. it can also be made into great music as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's all going to depend on the ensemble and the leadership. The
0: ability so. of the performers and... Yeah.
1: So let's talk about ensemble and leadership um, okay. relative to mainly Mozart. Sure. Um, and in terms of... What we heard, I had a friend go with me to most of the concerts, mm-hmm. and it was her opinion that a lot of it sounded pretty continually forced in its tempo. I mean, we're going fast because we can go fast, and we're going. And you know, I now sometimes it came off better than others, in my opinion. Um, I mean, I think Michael Francis is a really uh, dynamic conductor. Mm-hmm. He's getting a great response out of it. The question is, does he always have to get that greater response out of it? As far as, you know, is c- is it possible to have your finger stuck too far into the electrical socket?
0: I don't think it is, because uh, I've heard that orchestra play too slowly at times, and it's... Well, it's I, just too slow. Perhaps I you just know, didn't. It, I didn't hear it, that this fair, season. That, I'll tell you that. No, you did not. And to be fair, Michael Francis was not conducting the uh, concert I have in mind. Right now, uh, and it, also it the was,
1: the Beethoven is not. Uh, 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 that was a re, is a relaxed symphony. Much of it is very relaxed. Mm-hmm. I, the, 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 the Tempe the the were still pushed forward into certainly like Norrington territory, sure. and I like that. I like that. Um, you
0: have to do but, it in live performances, I believe. You cannot. But the piano
1: concerto risk being stagnant. that w- with um, this, the second one with um, Conrad Tao,
0: mm-hmm. piano concerto number twenty in D minor, Beethoven's favorite.
1: I I I just uh, I'm afraid I didn't agree with many of his interpretive devices. Um, I thought that the first concerto that we heard in the season
0: number 21 with jeremy dank
1: jeremy dank um was absolutely an epitome of of mozart on modern instruments i mean Mm -hmm. that was that was absolutely stunning yeah and again the tempo pressed forward it was crisp it was light but it 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 didn't go too far i felt like you know it was that he was Conrad was, and again, I mean, I recognize the brilliance of his playing. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to stamp the floor, maybe put a piece of carpet under your foot, because you know it's. Yeah. I don't. I, I need to hear the music. I don't need to hear how much you're feeling it. That's that's kind of distracting. Uh, it's not adding to the music in any way. Right. And I mean, a couple of times it like snapped up, like you know, it's like, did somebody just light off a firecracker on the stage? Really? I mean, it's yeah. like, what the hell was that? Um, but I also thought that that e- example was—it was trying to turn it into something Beethovenian, something you yes. know,
0: so declamatory That's,
1: that was unMozartian, but yeah. brilliant, but unMozartian.
0: That's what was going on, and it's what Beethoven did as well himself, is he, in a lot of ways, was not. Unconventional, he just did more than Mozart and Haydn within those forms. He did more key changes. Well, he also he did had more, his very yeah.
1: own, his, his very uh, personal uh, uh, inner vision of rhetoric and structure that mm-hmm. he didn't follow them. I mean, he definitely built on what they did and altered their structures. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, he became more declamatory and more more idiosyncratic. I think is the word. Right. He was himself,
0: mm-hmm. and that's fine. That's yeah. fine, but it's just not. Yeah, the side. cadenzas I thought were—I mean, they were Beethoven's cadenzas, and I thought they were—they were emphatically Beethoven's cadenzas. Mm-hmm. And I can—I was thinking at the time because of the—I uh, don't know—the canyon of <laughs> of uh, tempo changes, right? So we went from. Super slow piano to bang and it was gone Is being ultra <laughs> Beethoven, and I could see how some people might have found that to be aggressive. Um, I enjoyed it because it wasn't
1: I, for me, it detracted from the experience. Hmm. Um, I there was a couple of times when I thought, you know, like maybe that the um, he'd caught his the, we, we'd lost a roller from one of the legs on the piano and he caught his foot under the harp, you know, on the pedals. Just like out, oh, you know, or something. But it was just, um, and I preferred the the Dink performance of uh, sure. his style, which was is. Uh, I heard somebody say, you know, for crying out loud, he called the piano tuner in four times on the con day of the concert, didn't you, to retune the piano? <laughs> oh. Really? Apparently so. Okay. Well, if you're gonna play it like that. Then uh, I guess you're hearing something that that, that I'm not, that I don't sure. hear because I, I mean it, it was a, a model of taste and style and mm-hmm. uh, he he just floated in and out of the uh, out of the music so beautifully and and he wasn't I mean okay, yeah, when you're on your game enough to like to occasionally like mug at the audience like, like that <laughs> yeah and to make people smile like that I mean because it is playful music as well. I don't find that. In, in in intrusive in the same way as extraneous noises um, and such sure but
0: yeah I enjoyed- both of you
1: maestro tau maestro dink absolutely brilliant yeah. and you know this is these quibbling but that's what that's what we do we quibble
0: that's part of the game that's
1: we you know you, <laughs> if you're fortunate enough to quibble about small yeah. things yeah but I mean small things are then you know This is that's more for fun because when you have to quibble about really large things, that's not fun. That's no fun. That's no fun at all. And there's all too much need to quibble about some really big things in the classical world at the moment.
0: I appreciated Michael Francis, particularly before the piano concerto number 21, uh, talking about the opera buffa, as he calls it. Uh, (laughs) It
1: says opera buffa. Yes.
0: Context of the music and it, it, it rang true to me that that opening of the 21st, dun 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 dun. dun. It's like these are characters in search well, of a, that. Sounds like
1: the beginning of Figaro, yeah, bum, bum, right. But it sounds bum, like bum. figures in
0: search of a you know episode of mistaken identity. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just I was like, that that was brilliant, that was brilliantly essayed. A nice little nail to hang a frame on for the audience who was familiar uh, yeah. with. Not everyone's familiar with Mozart's operas, unfortunately, but for those of us who are, I I appreciated it.
1: Well, it was a wonderful it was a wonderful season. Um, I think um, I still have a problem with hearing the Royal Fireworks music on on modern instruments. We're so far into the early music into the I mean that's a, a whole you know two generations earlier than Mozart and still very much you know in the late late Baroque early classical crossover period mm-hmm. and that's just not the sound for me I I, yeah. I just there are certain things that no I mean
0: it's the logistics of getting the sound but I know always I you the logistics but why program, the logistics of program something of this else. festival to begin with. I know are much more extensive than anyone could oh i know ever I, believe
1: but but if you're gonna like for instance and in the beethoven if if you if you're going to do a beethoven symphony. With an orchestra the size of what Beethoven wrote it for, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why this was, you know, a, a re- potentially revelatory yeah. sound experience for many, many people because it has a very different texture from and uh, you know a six a sixty piece. Yeah. You know, when you, when you're talking about thirty five pieces, yeah, that's that, that's a very we
0: have twelve violins, not twenty four. Exactly, it's yeah. a very
1: compact. But if you're going to do that and and do it on modern instruments and aim for the period articulation. There, I mean, there are certain things that are not difficult to accomplish. Like why not use wooden mallets on on the timpani rather than cotton heads? Because that's one of the features of early music, uh, uh, late, you know, the, the classical, early romantic. They're still using skin drum heads and wooden mallets. And as as we learned from Norrington's essay of the symphonies, when you use those mallets, your thunderstorm. You know, uh, sounds like uh, drums right off the uh, right off the battlefield at Waterloo. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a much harder, you know, right. rattlety bang to quote a Gershwinism type of, of of sound, and it works in Beethoven. You know, it jerks you up in your seat. Mm-hmm. I, I as as a way We've of blending. We've come to the point
0: of talking about wood versus cotton heads, by the way. Just. <laughs>
1: Well, I wanted to work the percussion in there somehow. I mean, I wanted to feel appreciated because it's great. Work. And I wanted to hear it more. I wanted to hear, you know, the like when when a crack of of lightning goes off and it's very close to you and you don't get the, you know, the forewarning rumble, you mm-hmm. get bam. Yeah. That's what I want to hear in a Beethoven thunderstorm. Yeah. So, things like that.
0: You know, yeah. it, we definitely heard the wind. Oh, sorry about that. The, I mean, wi- I, I, yeah. I went out to dinner. <laughs> I know <before>. it <laughs> was it was quite embarrassing. Windy. Was,
1: um, no, yeah. I mean everything from the the, the rippling brook to yeah. the and I thought that the tempo for the uh, for the um, the German beer garden hoedown, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. was fabulous. Yeah. I mean, those those peasants were rollicking. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was rollicking yeah. with them. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Oh. That was a wonderful moment. I, I really enjoyed hearing that, and I hope they continue to do Beethoven symphonies with, with that group. I'm sure, um,
0: especially coming into this. T- Beethoven's 250. birthday. please birth- use wooden mallets. Yeah, Beethoven's 250th birthday is not until December 6th, I think, 2020. So it's a okay, year so- and a half away. But we are going to be getting Beethoven 250th starting. In the autumn of this year,
1: and it should carry on through carry, so into into the next half. year. Yeah, we're yeah. getting a year and a half of Beethoven. Yeah, yeah. good.
0: And uh, in honor of that, I'm reading a Beethoven biography, which I'm enjoying thoroughly.
1: Which one? The uh,
0: Swafford. Swafford. Jan Swafford. Hmm. I read his Brahms; It was good. So I got his Beethoven.
1: Who's the cl- the class the, the classic oh, Beethoven biography? Yeah. It's there's the one. Uh, yeah. It's the equivalent look. of Spitta on Bach. Um, their big two-volume biography yeah. that was written back in the he 19th, mentioned, mentioned it, but I didn't. Yeah, I, I, the, I can't this remember. What it is. It, I've always meant to read that. Yeah. maybe I'll read it this year.
0: Maybe this would be the year. <laughs> this would be the year. You know, it's not often you get that opportunity. It's what something I've thought about in the operas I've been in over the years, is how unique the opportunity is to be in on the inside. of the, Oh, absolutely. Of the music. Absolutely. Absolutely, it is. And this is such a unique opportunity because we're going to be getting so much Beethoven. I mean, I've looked at the schedule. There's, I think, we're getting basically two, three, four, five, and six. Maybe not five. Next, we're at, San Diego at San Diego this, Symphony this yeah. season. Plus, well, uh, the if, if mainly
1: Mozart next year can work in, oh, you know, sure. seven or eight, you yeah. know, or I mean, maybe maybe nine, but I don't know, maybe I seven or eight.
0: I'd love Beethoven's fourth. I really enjoy it. I've been listening to it quite a bit lately. Four and eight. I've been doing a four and eight thing because they're so neglected. You're one of those evens guys. No, the third is still my favorite. <laughs> um, he's one of those. That's very very
1: Seinfeld-esque. He's one of those even evens symphony guys, yes. listeners. He's an know? even. Yes, he's an, he's even even an evener.
0: He's evenish. Um, four and eight are great. Well, oh, you didn't. Did you go to the eighth? At the San Diego Symphony? Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. I, don't, I think you I might have missed you, that. You I were going to go. That was the, the finale.
1: No, what I was going to say, though, is I, I really I really hope that no one does the Misa Solemnis, though. I hate that. It's like his worst piece. It's, like, it's just terrible. Don't do it.
0: I would go hear it. I wouldn't. If it was a just... full-on opera company oh, producing God. it. It's it a... would be great. It's because the Placido Domingo awful. with James Levine... On Deutsche Grammophon, it's a fantastic performance. It's like I love it. It's great. It's but that's like the only one.
1: All of the vocalisms that are wrong about the Ninth Symphony that work so well, just because the Ninth Symphony is the nineteenth Ninth Symphony, mm-hmm. are just magnified in their wrongness in a different situation where they really don't yeah. work.
0: Oh, um, I don't want to sing it. <laughs> I don't just, want to sing the Ninth either. I don't want to do the tenor solos in the Ninth. It's
1: just cacophony, and yeah. I'm just like. Ugh. It's the polar opposite of the Bach B minor mass. It's the polar opposite of the B minor mass. I mean...
0: I'm not a big fan of Bach's choral writing either. Well, but the thing is that the B minor mass... It shows, in my opinion, only on the tenor line, because that's all I ever sing, either a disregard for or an ignorance of the registration of the human voice. And so does Beethoven.
1: Well, Beethoven, it's not so much registration, it's the way he uses the voice. He's got like sostenudos as if they're a, cl- a clarinet screaming on a high note, that you can do that on a clarinet, but you do that on a voice long enough, you're going to kill somebody. Yeah. And he, but I mean, look, in, in really large mass settings, you've got the B minor mass, you've got the Haydn Schöpfung Messe, you've got the, uh, the, the Misa Solemnis. Probably the Berlioz Requiem and the Verdi Requiem. Those are like f- the five pillars of overblown-sized masses. Okay. And yeah. the B minor, the um, the Schöpfung, even though it's it's like the glorious like forty minutes or something like that. It's huge. I've actually heard it. I've actually heard it in liturgy an hour in, in London. It's huge. The mass yeah. is huge, but. Somebody paid for it, so they did it. And and but it's Haydn; it works. He writes well. You know the Verdi; it's not liturgical, but it works well. I mean, it's a great piece of music. It's the best
0: for the singers. It rocketh. He understands the registration of the human voice. It
1: rocketh valde. To to put the Latin for it. I can't
0: can't remember what's near the end, but there's just this one part where we do this. The tenors have a descending third, I think. Luke's Pet mm-hmm. And I just teared up so hard in rehearsal. It was <laughs> perfect.
1: I remember Carol Neblett doing it with the San Diego um, Opera. Uh, we did a Verdi Requiem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Dennis O'Neill sang the tenor part and uh, he's a Welsh tenor I heard him sing The uh, Dream of Gerontius in St. Paul's Cathedral in London in the City of London Festival back around 2002 okay stunning anyway um, this is in the Libera Me where you know you do the octave up to the top being actually Libera Me they have to float that and Carol didn't quite float it the way she might have mm. in that predi- And she was coming back into singing. She hadn't sung for a while. Anyway, she did it. But you know what? Neither did Zinka Milanoff at the Warbond concert with Toscanini. She brought like half the chorus in with her about a half, two bars early. Yeah. She just like touched it and then scrambled it back in and like dragged. <laughs> that's why they never issued the recording. Really? Couldn't, ah. couldn't sort it out. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, that, that's how treacherous that piece is. But yes, it's also fundamentally vocal. Nevertheless, I mean the Berlioz Requiem. I I imagine works well enough on its own. Um, Once
0: again, not for the tenors. The first tenor part is, for all intents and purposes, the alto part because there is no alto part. Well, I counted it up. There were under over three hundred pitches above the staff for the first tenor.
1: But it's probably it's I'm I've never really studied it, but it's probably typically eccentric in the Berliozian manner. But one thing's for sure. You know, if
0: the first tenor the, line is an alto line. Yeah. That's what it is. Again, I'm, I'm are they I, mean, I hate tenor choral parts. Well, everybody's set for the Verdi Requiem.
1: Everybody's always got a weird part. Every composer there's that one part that they write last and with with Bach but it's usually the alto part. It's like he's got a, alto's yeah, always have a might, weird line might in Bach. They have a
0: weird line, but they're not being yanked across their registration constantly. Well,
1: wouldn't they be countertenors in Berlioz's day? Possibly. No, they For have been, choralists, I would have They imagine. wouldn't have
0: been singing an octave higher. Never The as well. The Bronx Requiem. That bears ridiculous.
1: Well, they yeah, have, but it's not
0: really. Ridiculous. Not really, I love
1: it. it. It's not really a Requiem, though. I mean, yeah, sure. it's an, it's, that's an oratorio. It's German Requiem. It's an oratorio. I mean, but it's, which is, and it's lovely.
0: I love listening to it. Um, but my God, the tenor. <laughs> just don't
1: do the Mises Solimis. <laughs> avoid the discussion just don't do it
0: I sound like such a curmudgeon about this stuff but I'm not a poor singer <laughs> and when I'm trying to back off and survive a piece and I'm failing at it <laughs> cons- predominantly I'm talking about the Brahms Requiem here it, it's frustrating it's like man like either the, the style of singing has become so far removed and I, there's really no way of telling i don't know how much pedagogy we we have from the 19th century well, it's like i say every
1: every composer has a weird part mm-hmm. there's a part that, that they write last and that's what it has to do now why he didn't write an alto it part it sounds very
0: pianistic to me like he's like well this works fine on the piano very possibly yes. just
1: like beethoven tends to sound very very instrumental you know he's you know he's asking the voices to sustain things in ways that only an instrument would do mm mm-hmm. Um, I think he gets away with it better in Fidelio. Although Fidelio, that brings up a whole other point of discussion. There is no way in hell that the ten- that Florestan should be ever be John Vickers. It's a countertenor part. It's 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 a light head voice tenor. He's starving. He's not a hero. There's only one hero in an opera, not two, and it ain't Floriston. It's Lenora. She's the hero in 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 Fidelio. Hmm. You can only have one hero. He's well, he's weak, fantastic he's
0: been... on that aria though. it's, but so it's not. Thrilling. But, but it, <laughs> it is so when it thrilling. works. But
1: I've heard more tenors gag on it than ever uh, of got course, it right. Yeah, but, but that's, that's because what makes
0: it's... the the John Vickers so thrilling. Is
1: well, yeah, but be thrilling. I mean, when when you get right down to it, though, it's just it's Grimes, Grimes, to though. that's just yeah. not the way it's
0: supposed yeah. to be. That's not the way it's supposed to be. It's he's the Floristan, dramatically opinion, or vocally, and he's the Peter Grimes, and neither of those.
1: And I'm still waiting for somebody to record that correctly and get a Floristan who is.
0: Oh, I'm sure the Jesus Sandaled period people will do it at some point. I would hope so. They don't like opera, though. <laughs> or maybe they do. They're always stuck in a Monteverdi.
1: I want to hear a Floristan who sounds like he's actually like about to die. Hmm.
0: Do you want that from the chorus as well? The... Well, their chorus, chorus isn't really the as. The prisoner's as, chorus. Their chorus isn't as. It's a fantastic um, piece. It's a great
1: piece. I love it. Yeah. I love it.
0: I will but, say this. Um, I find. So I've done Tannhäuser, Lohengrin, Dutchman. There is a. The opening of the second act of Tannhäuser, The Entrance of the Nobles, is a son of a bitch. For the first tenors. But everything else. Is easier than Brahms Requiem. (laughs) (laughs) Just to give you, uh, I've done I've I've
1: done Lohengrin and and uh, and Fidelia or Lohengrin and and Dutchman, Mm -hmm. and I I remember finding them quite singable. That was a long time ago.
0: I loved singing Lohengrin. I loved it.
1: The Act One finale of Lohengrin is just a romp. It's so much fun.
0: So is the Act Two. But you you get almost, well, Aida, you get this opportunity as well. But to be very pianissimo, expressive, reverent, Mm -hmm. sacred in Lohengrin, then you just get a scream as well. (laughs) You know, you have this massive range of expression for the chorus, which you don't always get. You you get it maybe more often than I'm giving composers credit for. Because you get that in Faust. You get that in Romeo and Juliet. Uh, you get that in Carmen. Never not as it. much never, in Carmen. I've never it's sung the choruses much. in
1: Romeo and Juliet.
0: Oh, it's that's fun.
1: I was Mercutio in Romeo and Juliet, but I, I don't oh, know. Where, I don't you weren't in the chorus. I, I don't yes. know the choruses. Yes. I only knew my part. I mean, the rest of it right. was,
0: yeah. Now the third act. Uh, I'd like to see it sometime. Uh, after Romeo kills Mercutio, or no, kills um, Tybalt. Mm-hmm. That whole scene for the chorus is phenomenal. It's so good. Hmm. So much fun. Oh We all get to sing the big tune <laughs> It's fantastic I love it
1: Well, so looking forward, um have you looked at the schedule for summerfest
0: i I received the uh the brochure. In the mail. Mm-hmm. And Apart I've, from the Mauler, I, I really do don't.
1: No, we'll we'll have to bone up on that and and see. Uh, maybe in our next podcast, we'll do the breakdown on um, on what they've got coming up. Yeah. But I can tell you, I'm looking forward to the Mauler. and uh, just for, it's eccentric, but maybe it'll maybe it'll actually hold together. Yeah. And It depends
0: on the abilities of the players. I mean, they're going to be super exposed. There's no way for them not to be.
1: No. But I wonder. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering whether there might be like a, um, you know, a sextet of strings and then a few woodwinds yeah. thrown in, or if it's because the harmonium. Yeah, because the
0: woodwinds are always exposed.
1: The harmonium <laughs> part is is actually designed to to, to provide some of the string parts. So I think it might. And they can they,
0: have a solo, uh, the vocal.
1: Oh, I'm sure they will. You have to have this. Have to have the, vocal, the vocalist yeah. soprano solo. So I don't know who that is yet, but we'll be bringing that to you in our next installment. Yes,
0: yeah, let's do this consistently. That's supposed to be the key to success for these kinds of things.
1: Well, Thursday nights is good for me. Okay, um, let's do Thursday I think nights. we're going to aim for thir- a Thursday. Not this night-
0: Thursday it's the Fourth of July.
1: Well, no, but we're getting this weekend.
0: So. Oh, this is this 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 is this Thursday. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, this can go out on Thursday. This will be our special ta 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 ta. Sport, this is our 4th just of July. Realized,
0: I I texted a friend and said, "Hey, cuz my uh I'm off this week uh from Mainly Mozart, and my kids are going to visit my parents in Idaho. They're flying there with my sister. And I was like, "Huh, I got nothing to do this week." So I texted a friend and I said, "Hey, you know, wh- what's your schedule like?" And they were like, "Oh, I'm free on Thursday and Friday." <laughs> and I was like, me too She's Mexican I was like, me too Like, awesome yeah, Let's do something Not realizing I had no 4th of July plans <laughs> Whatsoever <laughs> yeah.
1: I think we may uh, go over and stake out a place in Coronado for the uh, And have a breakfast cookout Oh, for the uh, For the Coronado 4th of July parade Which mm-hmm. is always great fun
0: Yeah, that's a big one And um, and don't they, the don't they do some kind of beach landing as well? during the day
1: maybe but not not on orange avenue
0: no <laughs> i'm sure a hovercraft could get there <laughs> they probably could <laughs>
1: might take out a few front yards yeah. on right coming through yeah. star park Last i heard yeah.
0: they could, they could cl- it could clear a five foot obstacle oh really yeah oh. I'll this... duck yes duck